0: This is
1: Simplistic
2: Sit Down. Hey, everyone! This is Matt with the Simplistic Reviews podcast for another Simplistic interview. Um, now, I have a special guest. As always, my, all my guests are very, very special. Um, but I have—I um, had John Brennan on the last interview, oh. and uh, he. Uh, Definitely told me that I needed to speak to my guest today, uh Debbie Roshan. She wanted me to roll the R.
0: To- roll the R, brother. Roll, roll it.
2: it the R. Roll so you did roll a lot better than me. See, I do the throat. You had the tongue action. So.
0: Yeah, I got the tongue action. And okay, John Brennan. Oh my god, it must have been a really good podcast. We because talked. that man is funny, smart, and you na- talented. I mean, mm-hmm. you name it. Musician, writer, and uh, wrangler. I've actually put wrangler. Him on. Yes, I put him on to trolls that are attacking <laughs> Lloyd on Twitter, and he shuts them down like it's nothing. But he does it in such a way, you know. Like we're talking about, like really hardcore people yeah. that are on the cancel wagon, you know. And he hard. Shut them down like nothing. He's the master. He's the master.
2: He's got he's got a way with words, and uh, yeah, we got we got into that whole thing because um, you know he's he's worked he was Lloyd's assistant for so long, and you know he's known you he's known Lloyd forever, and mm-hmm. he just has a, a way with words, and we we went from all directions. I mean, we were talking about everything from just his early days of writing songs about his his girlfriend in kindergarten poop in her pants and everything, and uh, the <laughs> Muppets to Toxie to Trauma to uh, Joe Bob and Lost Driving and music and everything. It was a delightfully tangent filled uh, podcast <laughs> that we had. Yes. And, uh, and at the very end, he said like, oh, you, you gotta, you gotta interview Debbie, you know, cause uh, I brought you up. He's like, oh, well, Marcus, here, here's your email. Just, you know, get in touch with her and let's get this thing going. So he was uh, yes. excellent to facilitate uh, being able this to have happened. you on the show.
0: <laughs> yeah. the intense award-winning episode right
2: i am hoping it is i mean it's like it should
0: <laughs> feeling like it could happen keep the faith matthew keep the faith
2: i'm trying to it's 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 been a it's been a rough uh you know, go at it in in this year of uh unprecedentedness if anything um but we're keeping hope alive we have to keep hope alive in some way yep. so i like the fact that you have your, the terra firmer poster behind you <laughs> I, I noticed that big red that big red uh that big redhead behind you, right there. There it is right there. So that, that caught Will. my eye right away.
0: Will, so. <laughs> Will, good. he always brings good vibes.
2: He absolutely does. Um, mm-hmm. Now, um, I always like to kind of start the show with a little bit of a, you know, tell the audience about, you know, who Debbie wrote. Roshan really is. and going all Roshan. the way back to Roshan. 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 Okay,
0: tell about myself.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, you were, you're a young, a young Canadian girl growing up in Canada and, you know, making it yeah. big in the U.S., you know, uh, you've had a very storied, long, successful career, um, so just, just little tidbits about you, uh, from uh, how you got your start to where you are now.
0: Okay, boy. The abridged
2: version, be, if anything.
0: <laughs> oh, boy, I have to be really abridged, really abridged. And skip the part about sleeping under a bridge because that doesn't help either. That's another long story. So,
2: it, it adds to the complexity of the story, though.
0: <laughs> it does. It, hey, listen. Uh, uh, tension, you know, drama, mm-hmm. conflict—these are all good things. Absolutely. Um, okay, so started out. Um, well, you know, regular family. I mean, didn't have a lot of money, but hey, who does? You know, of very, very few of us come from that sort of background, but mm-hmm. a, a troubled family. So ended up in basically uh, halfway houses, going towards the foster care system, staying with a couple of play uh, like homes before I just took off. I was homeless. I ended up in a movie um and i worked on that movie for three months and that changed my life so then i studied i started to study i had some uh, some focus i got some jobs but i also got some jobs because you know i was uh, i had to because i was on mm-hmm. parole no. and uh but here's here's the good news yeah. um I was, I was underage, but I had told them I was older than I was because I didn't want them to take me back to the foster care system because it was that bad, abusive. Wow,
1: okay, yeah.
0: Abusive-wise, it was that bad. So, I, I mean, what am I saying? I'm saying that back then, not now, but back how many decades ago, I thought it was more um, palpable to spend time potentially in jail than at the foster care houses I was staying at. So anyway, didn't have to, didn't do any of that. But I mean, that was where my head was at. So I got in, anyway, spent three months in the movie, loved it, started studying afterwards. Um, Then in, by the time 84 rolled around, moved to New York, studied more and more, worked with theater companies. And then by 92, 93 started, late 80s, started making movies there. 92, 93 got involved with trauma, and then in the 90s got involved with many different filmmakers, and that's kind of like the abridged version to how did you get into the business?
2: Just kind of falling into it, starting from an extra, and yeah, studying, working, and you no, know, moving to New York, which is the the dream for so many people to work right. work in the industry, and yeah. You know, you you run into Lloyd Kaufman and become uh, one of the one of the more famous trauma actors that 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 he's ever had in his uh, in, in his uh, dossier, I guess you can say. Yes,
0: uh, although he would never, if he was on the show, he would never mention me because he would mention the um, the Samuel Jacksons, the like you know the pickup movies. Of course, that's, yeah, went down. But it's sort of like to help trauma. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, trauma has samuel L. jackson and kevin costner from um sizzle beach usa mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's crazy i can name all these movies but like and that's a good thing because that's the right thing for lloyd to do but um within his personal movie world that's a, a different story and so you're talking about like a lot of different you know artists
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know that that are of different um you know, oeuvres, so to speak, like, you know, whether they'd be painters or musicians, mm-hmm. like yeah, Firmer, yep. Tara, um, has uh, some of the most incredible musicians in it, I think, that, that have come out of New York, like at least some of them from the yeah. 90s, certainly, and that had a lot to do with Will Keenan, Luna Chicks, Toilet Boys, I mean, that's incredible, really incredible, and that was, you know, Will's doing, Will's doing, so he deserves a lot of credit, but nothing but love for trauma, you know. Nothing but absolute love.
2: It's uh, you know, Lloyd is such an interesting guy because I, I hear interviews with him all, all the time. I don't, I, I don't, even know what I would really say to him in, in some respect if I talked to him because I feel like he's, he's, he's that perfect part of like crazy, but also mm-hmm. genius at the same time. He's kind of working yeah. with a little bit of both those things for him that he, he could talk to you about anything and you just might get lost in his history of being in the industry and everything else. Uh,
0: Absolutely. What what was like, he's a a smart, smart man. And he is really good at being funny, but people often and his whole career, I think people have mistaken the funny for who he is entirely. mm -hmm. But in fact, he's insanely smart, insanely educated Mm -hmm. and That's just one small part of him is the funny guy. And in fact, he's like, like I said, he's incredibly smart. He's a Yale graduate. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, made movies his whole life that you have to be smart to be able to do that.
2: To survive Uh, this industry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's made a massive name for himself. And, you know, not everybody gets to say that their movies have become musicals. Not just in New York, but in London, all mm-hmm. over the world, and lots of ex- lots of success, I should say. And um, you know, he's he'll always downplay it for fun, but deep down, you know, he knows. He knows. He's yeah. he's very he's proud of of what trauma is, and um, does it get the respect it deserves? No, but you know, every, that, that's another piece of, um, I, I'm probably talking too much about this right now, but I do want to say like, that's part of the history of trauma is that it is easy to bag on it. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it's not anybody, anybody can make a trauma movie as soon as it, for how many decades have I heard people say, Oh, yeah. And then, you know, a monster comes out, and you know, just only eats women. I'm making that up, obviously.
2: Obviously, and, uh,
0: yes. <laughs> but that's my point. It's a horrible idea. And then they'll say, "Trauma should make it," but in fact, it's so dumbing down. Like, Lloyd is firing on so many cylinders. Yeah, he's having something to say in his commentary. Politically, mm-hmm. he's having fun. He's being silly, but he's being clever, and he's getting a message across, and he's making people laugh, and he's shocking people all at the same time. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, but the dumb idea doesn't automatically go to trauma. It should probably stay with you, and you should make it. It's not a put-down. They should make it. Yeah, but, make
2: your own damn movie, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what I'm trying to say with all this.
2: Yeah. Well, you I yeah, well, I always feel like it's kind of like it's, it's to your point, kind of like the slap in the face a little bit, where it's like you automatically associate a trauma film with, uh, I mean, low brow, low class, dick fart jokes, you know, sex, this.
0: And they're in there too. And yeah, of that's course. In- yeah. But, yeah.
2: But it's it's done in a way that it's so over the top and ridiculous that the, that's the point of it, that look at all these other over the top and ridiculous ideas that everybody else has. So we're going to do it the trauma way and yeah. kind of shove your face in it a little bit, saying, yeah, we can do this, but we can also be very smart about it, as opposed to just, you know, the schlock that you think we've been doing for the past damn near 40 years, you know. <laughs>
0: that's right exactly i mean what are you saying with your movie anything nothing well then no then you didn't get it yeah but that's okay it's like you know thing. if somebody just likes it for the silliness that's okay too if you are you know supporting and streaming or buying the movies and, and you're somehow supporting the system and you know, he'll never break even on his movies. He spends half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars making the movies. Yeah, He's not going to make his money back ever, ever. <laughs> even though people always say, and the other thing that gets me, I'm really going on a tangent now. Matthew. So we, were, we, were trying,
2: we were trying to avoid this, but I'm just going to let you roll with it at this point, Debbie. <laughs> one, roll with one, it.
0: More, one more point and then you're going to ask questions from now on. <laughs> The other thing that gets me crazy, because I, I've told, as you know, and I've told you, mm-hmm. a quarter of a million to half a million dollars he spends on his movie, and it doesn't go to paychecks, as we all know,
1: mm-hmm. okay?
0: So when people say, it's another two-cent movie from trauma, that is about the stupidest thing that I've ever heard, because of what I've just told you. Yeah. So again, stupidity, no research. Nobody's like looking to see if you're going to, you know, if you're going to take something down, mm-hmm. that's fair. You can hate something. That's your yeah. business. Mm-hmm. You, absolutely. A hundred percent. But at least be educated in what the hell you're saying people. Yeah. Don't well, like it because you don't like it. But anyway, Matthew, go
2: well that's the internet for you i mean i talked to john about this too where it's yeah. you know the the internet has and i'll repeat myself kind of kind of not verbatim but close to it that the internet has given everybody the voice to basically go on twitter facebook instagram whatever your you know 4chan whatever your your yes. avenue is you want to get on the internet and talk about things and have an opinion whether it's educated or not and you know we talked about it you know kind of off off the air like you know, having john be the, the the troll wrangler a little bit for the people that are just well your movie's stupid because i don't like it it's like ah well that can almost be exhausting to read comments after comments after comment after comment like that and uh it, it almost seems like you know you're kind of like a lightning rod for that i don't know why for some reason it's it's just become the lightning rod for well you for light, lightning rod for stupid opinions how about that or yeah. just silly, un, un, non-educated or non-informed opinions. I won't say stupid, because I'll, I'll be a little nicer, but um, right. it's, well, it's kind of what it's turned into. you
0: know why? Because it's an easy target. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a super, super easy target. That's all.
2: Yeah. <sighs> Save all the trolling for all the DC movies and the Marvel movies. Well, they get plenty of that stuff too <laughs> all the time, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. And you know what? They, they can take it in the sense that, you know, they can, they have lots of people. They have lots of people between them and the people that they're trying to insult. Whereas, you know, here's a, a one man band. He's got a lot of people helping him and working Mm -hmm. for him, but you know, let the man enjoy his legacy and just get the hell off his back, man. Find something to do with your time. Anyway, what were we gonna say,
2: Matthew? Oh, I don't know. I'm getting lost. Uh, well, one thing getting- I didn't want to ask you. <laughs> well, um, the one thing, okay, you're you're uh, you know, you're in New York. You're working for trauma, working for Lloyd, and stuff like that. Speaking of New York, I was just digging through some some of your old IMDb stuff, and one thing that really struck me. And this is non troma talk here. Um, New York Undercover caught my attention uh, with you being in an episode of New York Undercover, and I, I that just caught my attention because I used to watch that. With my, with my dad all the time I don't know why I was drawn to it I'm um, white Jewish male who was interested in kind of not seeing you know uh you know African-American cop Spanish cop in this like, New yeah. York gritty it, it was kind of like the Fox grittiness where it wasn't you know NYPD Blue or something like that but there was something about that show that I liked now yeah. there were only one episode but what, what was it kind of like working on that show? it was kind of a pretty groundbreaking show too with the two male leads that were completely not what people were expected to see, you know, things like that.
0: Yes, I think so. And I think it was also interesting because at some point, I don't know if they did this all the way through, but at some point they would always kind of have like some sort of a music video type of, (laughs) right? I mean, it would have that involved. And even though I was only there for two days for my part, which is a short amount of time, yeah. even for TV back then. Um, it was super nice for me because that was, um, I think I, that was either right around the time or, or around, I think it was right around the time that I did abducted Two. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: with these two projects, um, you know, you have your own trailer Yeah, and that's awfully nice. And and it's nice because you can get into character. It's not like nice because like, oh boy, you know, I get to show off and do all this kind of stuff. But yeah. but in fact, actors do need them in order to do the best job they possibly can because they can get away from the craziness, the madness, the, the running around, the insanity, people asking them things about, you know, a million things, they could just shut the door, worry about what they're doing and and do it. But it was nice because the other time was in Vancouver in a, mm. on Abducted 2, the movie. But at least this time, it was in New York and there was my trailer. And normally, I just walk by trailers. Yeah. You know, going to different jobs or, you know, auditions or whatever, depending on what year it was. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there it was. It was, like, nice to be able to be on the side of uh, the street in New York City and say, hey, okay. This is, this is cool. This is nice. Yeah. Like
2: like I finally made it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because you know what, if you don't enjoy those moments, then give up now because Mm -hmm. you don't know what success means, something different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what yours is going to be. So if you don't enjoy the entire ride, then hang it up if you're waiting to be happy it's like that old saying right if you're waiting to be happy then you know i don't know
2: you're you're, you've been waiting too long or anything like that yeah it's (laughs) it's like i'm just waiting to be happy it's like you're gonna be waiting a long time there has there has to have been something in the in the course of your life that made you happy in some way you know human beings we're not happy all the time it's just kind of like against human nature where you're constantly happy and if you are i I probably don't trust you
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a little weird too. You got to have the ups and downs, but you can't like just avoid the, the ups. Like, yeah, you really have to stop and enjoy them.
2: Hmm. So, so, so work in New York undercover and then abducted two, and I know kind of abducted two was almost like, kind of like your, your big break, at least with like, you know, Joe Bob kind of noticing your performance and everything like that and kind of getting into that universe. So that's, you know, I guess mid, mid nineties, something like that. So you're starting to kind of, Mm-hmm. on the come up and then uh 96 you know happens and then tromeo and Juliet you know you have a huge role in that. you know just uh, in the scheme of you know Romeo and Juliet you know the the actual story being the nurse and then you play ness um
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and uh Romeo and Juliet's a funny one because I I watched that with a buddy of mine I think on VHS it was maybe like 97 or 98 when it finally came on the, to uh VHS and mm-hmm. it, it was I don't know it was I I was used to toxic avenger i wasn't used to lloyd doing like hey i'm gonna do a well, a shakespeare riff on everything um and i also find it funny because the same year that the baz lerman R- romeo plus Juliet came out um just between you and i did you try out for both films maybe and, and maybe <laughs> i was like well I don't know i don't want to be on this highfalutin film i'm gonna i'm gonna go with lloyd on this uh weird
0: no but that's a great story i should probably appropriate that story absolutely my existence because that's a really good story i didn't even think of it
2: i had to going, through
0: the, but, I was go, going no. through
2: the uh release dates i was like same year what is <laughs> it both the it same so, year this happened
0: oh it was so so strange that it ended up being the same year because it was not planned that way of course there was a little bit of of talk that Truman had planned that which they had not i mean i had done i think it was 93 um it was shot in 95 so in 93 we did something for the the comedy central channel which has yeah. changed names to i don't know what it's called now I think it still
2: um, might be Comedy. who knows at this point you know everything's yeah it's a different name
0: everything yeah exactly or maybe it was ha-ha even like who knows right yeah
2: <laughs> laugh laugh network or something, laugh, like, something yeah, like
0: yes. that, yeah. <laughs> clever but um we did uh uh like it was a parody on an infomercial called the trauma system mm-hmm. only you really could buy it of yeah. course <laughs> genius of lloyd but it was a, a joke on the infomercial craze that was going on then and so we shot the last scenes of my part in his real town ta- brownout or brownstone, excuse me, on the upper East side of Manhattan. So in the back is backyard and in his kitchen and stuff and, and like that. So he says to me as I'm just walking out the door and he said, grab that script on the, on the table there. It's like a first draft of Tromeo and Juliet and read it through and see if there's, there's anything that you like. And I was like, oh, okay, because I had done a lot of stuff with him before that, but that yeah. was the first film. Mm-hmm. And so I read it, and it went through, like, a lot of changes, you know, like James Gunn had a lot of changes he brought yeah. to it. And then they did the auditions, which basically all the females read for Juliet, whether they were being considered for her or not, because I guess that's the how it goes, the most lines and the most yeah. emotional range and see where you fit. So, but I thought they did the best casting because, you know, I think I suited the character I played. I think Jane Jensen suited the character she played. I think it was, everything was correct. Yeah. You know, I think it really was correct. Good casting.
2: What was it, what was it like kind of um, seeing the original, obviously with the the original draft and James came in and kind of put his mark on the entire thing? Um, was it was it fun to kind of see what he was taking the bones of it and saying I'm going to make the most ridiculous off the wall type riff on Romeo and Juliet I possibly can and this was like James's kind of like you know kind of like almost your kind of big break you know you've had breaks before but it was a big film for you but it was also a huge film for for James in so many ways
0: Oh, it was. It was. Well, the biggest thing he did, this is to my memory, and I'm sure you could tell the real details of it having done the actual hard work of the writing of it. Yeah. Um, I think it just went from um Lloyd's vision how amazing it was, it was something like that. Um
2: James just did a great job on the uh on the script and kind of making it his own and you know. Yes. Yeah. Doing
0: yeah. He really did and like I said he brought in like I said he brought in people from Chicago like um he had like a group that he liked to work with back mm-hmm. there where he was from and yeah it was just it was like a very serious group of actors like really mm-hmm. really and it showed and you know you had like some of the uh a few cheesy lloyd kind of actors that mm-hmm. filled a perfect purpose you know yeah. what I mean, purpose, and then you had the serious actors that sort of, you know, brought up the level of, um where it's still to this day, it, it remains as uh one of the best drama movies, and it reinvigorated the company, I felt, from where it was coming from, mm-hmm. doing like a lot of ads and promotions and stuff for like German TV and all this kind of stuff that I was doing with them, yeah. and... That movie comes along and it really it changed their trajectory. As opposed to them, I don't mean being over, mm-hmm. but I mean going through a slump. You know, a very big slump.
2: Yeah.
0: Woo! It just brought it right back up. And then the next thing was my favorite trauma movie, which is
2: Terra Firmer, which kind of just set the stage for something. It was like. The amalgamation of almost everything that made *Trauma* what it was, but then yeah. with Tromeo and Julia it kind of gave it this step of like, oh, well, I could take these guys a little bit more. They're not just the Toxic Avenger, you know, it's not just Toxies. It's like not Troma, but it's like toxic films and stuff like that. It's right. a different exactly. thing right there. Yeah, yeah i mean i grew up with all the toxic toxic avenger and uh sergeant kabuki man stuff it was like oh this is like silly schlock superhero stuff and then mm-hmm. tromeo comes along and then terra Firma comes along and then kind of off to the races with some of the stuff later on with you know Poultrygeist, and you know mm-hmm. kind of leading right up to you know shakespeare's shitstorm the the latest uh from troma which you you play a part in that as well too what uh yeah. what's what, what was the biggest takeaway from you? Because Tromeo and Julia was, a I, I want to say tame, I guess probably tame by comparison when you compare it to, you know, Shakespeare's shitstorm. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, that's that's um, putting, well,
2: putting it mildly, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> putting it mildly, I would say that uh, Shakespeare's shitstorm is pretty nonstop, like really, really nonstop. Um, yeah, we don't worry about, like we introduce people, mm-hmm. but we don't worry about them having you know, really, um, well, I don't want to say character development, because that's really the fun part of it all, isn't it? Yeah. But um, uh, there's not a lot of it, only where needed. Like you have the the love affair between the two young people mm-hmm. and that they, they have their scenes yeah. and you have uh, Monique Dupree who does this amazing job and we spend some time with her and her mm-hmm. history, but everything at the same time is also making a point. Yeah. you know in this environment that we live in now and so it, it's not really a movie that you want to spend too much time with every character or every scenario you know mm. getting into the, the depths of it or the background of it you wouldn't everything you need to know is right there yeah so yeah it's uh, from there it just like you know goes goes ape shit
2: yeah. well, oh, definitely shit. Pretty much yes. everywhere.
0: <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. Oh my God. Everywhere. And just when I thought I had done everything on a trauma movie that I could go through, um, not even talking about on screen, my friend, <laughs> after the shit storm, literally mm-hmm. like the shit coming down. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, it was so hot that summer in New York. It was like just, it was gross when you were in clean clothes out of the shower. So when the shit, that horror, like it was a good mixture because Doug Sackman made it. So it was like, Mm -hmm. it smelled nice. There was nothing wrong with it. It looked horrible, but it smelled okay. (laughs) Yeah, smell smelled good. You know, props to to Doug, of course. And, uh, but it was like, gross and sticky and everything stuck together because there was so much sugar in it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess the most humbling experience of the whole thing and maybe from every single trauma movie ever Mm
1: -hmm. was
0: going outside after the scene, taking your clothes off and getting hosed down by a PA (laughs) with a hose that's like to the side of the building, cold water. Yeah. Just being hosed down. That was it. That, that <laughs> summed up everything. And I was like, this is where we're at. Okay, we're at this right here, this moment in time. And it's kind of perfect. Yeah. kind of <laughs> perfect. Because you know what? If I never do a trauma movie again, to end on this note, it's like you can't beat it. You no. can't beat it. That's it.
2: And the PA's like, man, I got the hose down. Debbie and all these other people. It's like, this is the best PA job I've ever had. It's, I it, this is, I it's like, finally, I'm in control. I have the hose. This PA <laughs> can do everything I want. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, uh. So true. So true. Crazy. But we were shooting at like, you know, a bar, a bar that had like two different huge sides to it. But no, there was no, you weren't getting in any vehicles going to yeah. where you were staying in that so you had to be hosed down oh my god
2: a little little look behind yeah. the, uh, the the curtain of uh, what really went down during uh the production uh of yeah. uh, shakespeare's shitstorm here yeah. here for hear, this is a first alert thing folks you're on you're not going to hear this on any other interview or any other podcast though
0: so. no <laughs> and you know what it wouldn't surprise me completely if there wasn't some pa somewhere that had video of this i'm just saying like you know in this day and age I wouldn't be, like, thrilled about it, but at the same time, it's, like, you know, it's entirely possible.
2: Well, the, the, this, no. I, assume, I assume Lloyd writes? You know, he runs a pretty tight ship and everything like that, too. But, I mean, but is it kind of oh. like a lockdown production where it's, like, no phones, no this, no that type of thing? No. So, should he snuck stuck a little bit of a photo somewhere, maybe? No, yeah. Oh,
0: stuck. I'm sure. No, he was, like, video.
2: This is all no. going to go behind the scenes. It's fine. Go
0: no. <laughs> He was, no, he was like, it was considering the subject matter of the movie. Mm -hmm. He was equally encouraging of people to take video pictures, whatever the hell you wanted to do. If you wanted to videotape your rehearsal, you go ahead and videotape yourself in the rehearsal and post it. And like, he just embraced it completely. And I think that, you know, the The times of holding sacredly onto images, mm-hmm. unless there is like a true reason for it, yeah, I think you know unless you're in the multi trillion dollar movie making business, I think those days are gone, and yeah. whatever you know vibes and 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 interest in words you can get out by any means go for it,
2: yeah. I mean it's not like you're you're spoiling something it's like oh it's a major spoiler anymore or something like that where it's like nothing yeah. on the sets you know type of thing. Yeah. Now, um and now, and bringing bringing up kind of like what Lloyd's kind of work ethic what he does behind the film I I, I remember watching uh, the Curse Films documentary on Shutter and they talked to Lloyd about how he's very very careful and protective of the actors just due to you know films like you know um uh, what do you call it Twilight Zone the movie where you know you have Know bad practices or bad, you know, you're not mm-hmm. following rules or OSHA rules or something like that. And seems like Lloyd takes that super fucking serious. That the <laughs> protection of his actors is paramount. Mm-hmm. To him, it seems in a lot of ways
0: paramount, seriously, because of many reasons. Number one, he doesn't want anybody to get hurt. It's not worth it. It's just a movie in the best sense possible. Like you know, it's no offense to the movie, but it's you know, the person is the person. Number one. Yeah. Number two, he wouldn't be able to live with himself if something happened to somebody, like even just, you know, getting maimed in some way. Yeah. And three, you would get sued. Like it, it just, there's no angle of it that is okay, unless yeah. you're a sociopath. If you're a sociopath, then you're okay. Like I've, I've worked with sociopaths and they're yeah. okay as long as they get their shots and they get mm-hmm. their press and they get their fill in the blank. Yeah. everything's great right but no he's 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 got a lot of angst and he he would never be able to live with himself if something happened If yeah he wouldn't
2: he's been on too many sets and seen too many accidents i'm sure other people being involved with it too to your yeah. point not being able to uh you know live with that sort of response like being responsible is paramount not living the responsibility of having somebody injured or worse than that so. mm-hmm. I respect yep. that about Lloyd he's a he's a good egg that that Lloyd Kaufman
0: <laughs> he is he really is like you know like I say known him since 92 and like any really good solid friendship it's it's been crazy and um if I say up and down I mean that in the best way possible because only actual real friends and not just business friends mm-hmm. but actual real friends like go through stuff yeah and yeah and that's why I love him because he is him, you know what i mean and 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 you know there's been no there's no fakery between us you know there's no no bullshit mm-hmm. pretending fake business shit if you yeah. know what I mean no. <laughs> If I've sworn enough for
2: you to get what I mean. I love, I mean, you can, you can swear as much as you fucking want. This is what yeah. this is all about. So it's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, you, you, you might swear about some of, some of the next questions. I I have a few fun ones, but um, one of the main things, you know, you're, you, you've you been also in the sphere of Fangoria for such a long time as well, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you were trailblazer for them. You know, you have one of the, the, the first female, you know, the first female, Written column for Fangoria, you know the first one. That's with Diary, Diary of the Deb, yeah. Worked with them for so long, and even with the, uh, I'm curious about how the um in the early days of satellite radio, you you know you and you and uh, Dee Snyder did the uh, Fangoria um, uh, radio station as well too. Uh, I wish I was around and kind of listened to satellite radio at that time because I feel like it's that's such a great channel that should still exist these days. And I don't know why, because you have, you know, you have the Entertainment Weekly channel and you have this channel, that channel, but there's no horror-driven channel at this point, at least on satellite radio, you know, I guess that's what podcasts are for, maybe at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a hard one because um, it depends, like, back when we were doing it, there was not... Um, a lot of podcasts yeah. there was you know there was i'm sure some and it, well i know for a fact there was some but um you know it really was a great place to be and that we could actually get a lot of um advertising mm-hmm. try to get advertising through you know Lionsgate and all the companies that were just like just like hammering out the horror movies yeah. because they so prolific then, mm-hmm. like I know, um, I'm pretty sure Lionsgate still does horror movies, but nothing like this period of time. Oh yeah, right? well, this is
2: like the, during the time of Saw, and because they were the first yeah. what putting Saw out in, in, in exactly. the world as well too in the early what early 2000s, you know?
0: Yeah, yep, and the show was uh, 2006 to 2010, mm-hmm. and I co-produced it with uh, Mike Castell, who did most of the producing. Probably, you know, between depends on the week, but I mean, I would say a good uh, 70% of the producing and I would do as much as I could, I would have to, um, you know, prepare for the show in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, I can't give him enough credit is, is what I'm trying to say really is like, you know, the amount of work he put in and, and like this was his first. Radio show. Not to do too much of a tangent on Mike Castell mm-hmm. who was nickname on the show was Hostel, like the movie. Yeah. And, um, but you know, he came from like an NFL producing background. So mm-hmm. when he came on, I had already done a lot of radio. Of course, D had done a lot of radio, mm-hmm. and I had to get him to the point where. Mike, it's not like th- these perfect reads, and as a matter of fact, these, these awkward, insane moments are kind of the gold. And so he had to kind of relearn, but he d- he did because he's such a good producer. And yeah. by the end, he was just he knew exactly, like you know, what we were going for, just to set up the right situation with the right people, having a conversation, and that something would go awry, and that would end up being the best part of it anyway. Yeah. so uh but yeah it was a magical time i don't know if there's uh i certainly think with shutter and all the channels and everything that it's yeah. possible but i think there's there's so many podcasts at this point i don't know if uh a place like sirius xm would have an entire channel just for horror yeah hard to say hard to say i mean, I mean it was, ex- uh, let me just tell you something. I think a big part of it, though, was it's very expensive
2: mm. oh, and yes.
0: for for what they paid, which was you know, I'm not going to say, but it was a very nominal fee, mm-hmm. and it cost us, Fangoria, a lot of money yeah. to put it on beyond the small, tiny amount that they gave. so. Yeah. It was such a massive expense that you know the it, it, there was a lot of pressure for the advertising and the advertising yeah. didn't fully come but there's reasons for that too which you know aren't worth getting into but yeah. it was it was a great show for four years that's all it was yeah. fun it was fun
2: because i know i know friends that have, they've done like radio gigs and everything was serious where they they've lived in new york and it's because Pretty much a constant rotation of hosts host hosts, host, and yeah, the fee is nominal because you're not really so reliant on advertising it's more reliant on the subscription base and how many people are paying a monthly fee and everything like that mm-hmm. you know i've been i've I paid for satellite. I've been paying for satellite radio for a good four or five years at this point I mean I always call them once a month and I won't go on a change on satellite radio, but w- once a year I always say like hey uh would like to keep my same uh, subscription because I don't want to pay. $15 a month, you know, comfortable yeah. in the seven, seven or $8 range most of the time. So, but, uh, right. you know, it's just a different world, I guess. And to your point, having it be a nominal thing, you know, it's in Fangoria, I'm sure f- putting quite, quite a bill to put their name on the channel as well, too. So it's.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have, it's ironic because not everybody knows how it, it ended, which mm-hmm. is actually just as interesting as how it began. Just, because just... Um, it was, they wanted Fangoria, but they, I was at first, I was trying to get Joe Bob Briggs to be my co-host. Mm. and But they didn't know who he was, because you have to understand, like, they, they were... They didn't
2: know who Joe Bob was?
0: Okay. No, no. Interesting. No, <laughs> no, like, not not even close. Like, they, they wow. were so off. Um, they were so, I don't know, I, I want to say, like, super suit straight. but i know that there's some really cool channels on there so it might seem weird but i'm talking Mm -hmm. about the business end of sirius xm yeah so they had no clue they had no clue who bruce campbell was and they were the uh, Van vangoria was courting him he would be remote from where he lived mind Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be in the studio in new york with me but that was also a possibility but they were like well who the hell's you know this guy and so then and and luckily, really, because he's such an amazing human being, to this day a friend, yeah. D. Snyder, they were familiar with him because they know music. You know, Twisted his,
2: Sister, Star. at least, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. And he was, you know, doing horror, and mm-hmm. it was. It's kind of funny that even though Strangeland has a lot of fans, it, it didn't have the type of fans that, um, say, Rob Zombie had with yeah. his movie, but actually, D did it first if you will i mean i'm sure there's musicians before d that did it but Mm -hmm. it just things work out the way they do and um but how it ended i'll skip ahead to why i set it up that way Mm -hmm. um was that there was um an internal person that was new that really wasn't even part of Fangoria, that kind of like Put the show on hold it was a very strange thing that they did Hmm. and one day you know I am going to be writing about this but um, it's not important who it was because you wouldn't know them anyway yeah Uh, it was nobody that was working on the show so I mean it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. but they just like out of this weird power control thing uh, paused it and what happened was Sirius wanted us to continue so bad that they ran reruns holding our spot mm. for literally six months. Six months of wow. reruns. It's a lot because of courting part- back. Yeah, Yeah, and so like th- that's, that's how much that they enjoyed our show and liked our show and so we knew what we put in because like I said again, for the, the minimal amount that they put out, the amount that we put in because we wanted like a stellar show yeah like a stellar show with people all the time all over the place like 10 15 minute interviews turning mm-hmm. around turn around turn around live bands all this kind of stuff like a big show that yeah. we would all be proud of and that would do well and it had nothing to do with um it being canceled by Sirius it was quite the opposite they probably did everything they could except throw money at it which you know they could, with Stern, you really can't do that with any of the shows there.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's His salary takes the bulk of everything. Exactly. It's like, we
2: have. that's why you put, that's why you pay that upper echelon fee to make sure you get those two channels that if you don't pay that, you're definitely not going to, we have to pay his millions and millions of dollars a year we're paying so it's that's uh, right that's
0: I mean, right
2: he, I mean he's the one that kind of launched him in the stratosphere in a lot of ways so that's I can't you know it's no it's, you can't
0: no you can't yeah. you can't you can't complain because he really did like without him doing that there wouldn't be that and I wouldn't have been on with D and with Mike making the show and so I mean who can complain I certainly am in no position because it stands as a fantastic memory amazing memory
2: it was it was a milestone show it was like you know the the horror podcast before the horror podcast was really a big a big thing and everything like that so it's uh again a trailblazing moment for you uh on on the radio uh as well too which is really um now one thing i've also noticed because going through like filmography from you you've you've never been one to Go into the mainstream of films very much so you're you've always been very like staunchly independent about independent horror counterculture things like that um i'm sure no you you've you've been courted by i'm sure hundreds of directors and producers everything like hey this can be a bigger film for you this or that have have you always just said no i like where i am kind of right now this is this is my my stratosphere like this is my orbit i like being in and i don't really need the big money to make me happy in well films i
0: like i like money
2: of course and yeah I, we all do i mean well, yeah I like about that a little bit <laughs> ah,
0: no i really do like money i really do i i think that and and the thing is like you look at like the true artistic directors that are <laughs> out there who wouldn't want to be in their movies you know lindsey you know uh oh you name on and on especially like the new ones now like yeah, uh, future like a... and all these like like uh, pt anderson i mean they're yeah. just beyond genius mm-hmm. and just like you would probably if you're not in the scene you'd be watching them with your mouth hanging open just like yeah. wow it's incredible <laughs> um but I, I don't think it was so much that i think it was when i started out and i was getting i was doing a lot of theater and i was starting to get roles i've felt like um i would go up for a lot of stuff but the stuff i was getting was the really offbeat counterculture stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm talking about you know besides trauma and besides all this stuff i felt like the people that were hiring me because i wasn't this kind of typical either look that they wanted or type that they wanted. And it did take me like a long time to get the gears of my acting going. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's another part of it. Big yeah. mom, very big part of it. Yeah. But also I wasn't, you know, trying to think of who was big then, but I don't know making this up Cheryl Teagues or something like okay. you know, yeah. a, a certain look or a certain style of, of acting yet and it probably wasn't until the mid late 90s where I started to really like I'm, I'm one of these people that I just I, nothing's ever come easy for me mm-hmm. so including whether it was, it's writing or or acting or something it's like we're talking years of going at it before seeing some success Mm and some good stuff you know and that's why um you know it was never like an, an overnight thing for me like I would never um uh book the say really big things and then by the time I was more ready for that I found that I didn't like working with certain business type of people mm-hmm. and I lo- really enjoyed working especially in New York with the more art people. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of like it wasn't de- by design because I I love like especially now. Now is a whole different world. You have American horror story. You have great writers for TV.
1: Yeah.
0: So like a lot of things have opened up and and great writers for older women. So, so many things have opened up. So I would never say never, but I would say that, you know, when I was, there was so much exploitation being done and being, you know, filmed and having to go through that and then going through like uh you know it was fun no regrets never any regrets ever yeah. you know you gotta do this all very punk rock right no regrets
1: yeah
0: I mean why you know it's there yeah. it's like it's silly <laughs> you know you learn something from it even if it was that you didn't want to do it again you yeah. know so but you know you did the exploitation and then you came out of that and then you went on to like hopefully better roles or more interesting roles. And the best roles were like, you know, it's not like it is today where the women are like, I want to be the kick-ass. I want to be the one who's doing the killing, or I want to be the one, you know, doing this or that. And they can get those roles. Those roles didn't exist. You had to like, like when Mia, when I did Hellblock 13 with Gunner, and then that inspired John Keyes to write American Nightmare with me in mind. Mm -hmm. And then it was all very like, slow burn you know um the genesis of starting to think you know things changing for indie actresses you know what i mean it wasn't like on the level of alien with millions of millions of dollars but it was just like just to get those roles just to start happening and then to see that the indie horror audience liked it they liked it so then this was good and then you know Then it sort of built from there. And then I was enjoying for the longest time those kinds of roles and I was getting them. And it occurred to me that, again, it's not the writing of today's TV shows that I mentioned, but the mainstream stuff for women was so boring Mm -hmm. in comparison. I couldn't do anybody who was like mentally, like, either crazy or or struggling yeah. or angst-driven and uh, it was like far more you know it was still in the girlfriend on the arm housewife even then even yeah. as reason as then so that's a long answer I think for your question
2: no but I mean that's it, it, a great answer though because it, it is becoming more I don't want to say popular but more accepted because I think when women would take these roles as damaged or having a problem or you know being kind of emotional it was always seen as like well that must be how that actress is all the time this isn't her acting this is her as a character and then I mean example I always think of is you know just using Reese Witherspoon as an example for election where it's like well she kind of got blackballed a little bit because she was that character Tracy Flick she played was so good it was like well she must be that way and this is her in real life it's like Well, not, not really at all. So it's a testament to her acting, but also, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure producers, executive producers, casting directors thinking like, well, she must automatically be just difficult to work with. Like, that's not it. You know, have these women play these juicy roles that they can sink their teeth into and not think of them as, oh, this is how they are. It's like, no, maybe they're just really fantastic actresses that can get the job done where they don't have to play the housewife and the very safe character all the time so
0: exactly exactly true and the other part of it too is like you know we're all different Mm -hmm. i mean i know you know this like i'm stating the obvious
2: here however i hope so
0: (laughs) not not everybody really gets that and so when i do a role when I perform a role I quite often depending on the role you know mm-hmm. if it's comedy forget it none of this applies yeah but if I'm doing a role that's really intense I, I there's a piece of my brain not all of me that likes, likes to kind of stay in it so it's not that far away for me to bring up so quite often like during a shoot especially if it's like short like a lot in a short amount of time mm-hmm. and you got to have it like right there as much as you can um, I will to kind of just be off on my own and get prepared and get ready and just so that I'm I'm close to being there, you know, without being completely insane like that. And a lot of um, other actresses or actors, they can go on and just they're more fun to be around. They they like to kind of joke around and party and they'll be um, uh, very popular. Yeah. But I've always said to myself, like, you know it's okay like you know even if people hire them more than me because of that just Mm -hmm. because they want to have fun because i think this person's a gas to be around yeah i'm happy being the the one that will bring everything i've got to make the role there therefore the movie but the role everything that i can and then some like everything i got i'll i'll give it i'll just fucking give it and you know what I'll just fucking give it seriously. <laughs> and and it, it it may not be like I may not be unless it's a comedy, in which case you gotta change the the vibe of the air, like yeah. quite literally.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless it's that. It's like, you know, you may you may get like, oh, what's she doing? Okay, well now she's shooting and all this kind of stuff. But then when you're putting the movie together, you'll see what I've done. And but some people still to this day, it's like they want to make a good movie but they you know they want to have some some laughs or whatever uh, and um you know so so i find that to answer your question in another way i find that i'm i always end up kind of where i'm supposed to be yeah. so those kind of people may not may appreciate the outcome in the movie but i will ultimately always end up with the artists the ones that I'm supposed to end up with hmm. in the end anyway. So it all kind of works out. That got kind of deep, didn't it? That,
2: that got super deep. I was in, just entranced and enthralled with, with you answering it, that. I mean, we, we started from, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, we were talking about, you know, getting hosed off by PA to now getting, yes. getting, getting, getting super deep into uh into your methodology of act, of acting and everything, which yeah. I that's it's fucking great. It's fantastic, and it's, um, <laughs> and
0: it's all and it's all real. You know what I mean? Like it's all. This is real. not
2: acting right now. This is actually real right now too. Yeah, so. people it's are confused. All,
0: it's all the truth, you know. It's like all the, truth, <laughs> the reality.
2: Well, of it. well, Debbie, it's it's been great chatting with you. Thank you for taking the time and being candid and. Having having fun and just kind of going going through everything for your t- times growing up in Canada, the trauma to, you know, what you're what you got going Get on. From...
0: down. <laughs> yeah.
2: Precisely. Yes. That's exactly what it is.
0: For our art, Matthew.
2: <clears throat> this for is for the art. art. It should always be for the art. It should never be about, you know, anything else. We need more people to realize that and hopefully we're getting to that point now where it's like look there's inclusion for everybody there's a role for everybody to play and nobody should have to sacrifice any part of their emotion or themselves to get get a role that they deserve and they can play a role
0: exactly well put matthew and by the way I i want to say on on air i just want to say how great you are because it's been this past week has been a little bit crazy and you've really put your schedule around to um facilitate mine and oh. I thank you very very much for doing that.
2: I it's you know at it's the end of the day um I like to interview people uh, I'll wait as long as I have to sometimes for for the right interview and mm-hmm. I know it's worth worth the squeeze more more times yeah. than not and uh, I appreciate you working your schedule out with me and joining me for about an hour of just talking about your history and the industry and uh just answering my stupid questions because at the end of the day if i can if i can have somebody come on and answer my dumb questions that's 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 a win for me most of the time so. well,
0: you know why we both won because you may and i underline may have had stupid questions but i've had more stupid answers
2: oh okay so, so we're just gonna keep going lower at this point now yes, who's, who's stupider gonna- at this point both.
0: <laughs> stupider stu- the the stupid answers to the better questions, I thank you for that for putting up with them.
2: Well, so thank I mean, you.
0: again, Matthew.
2: <laughs> the interviewer's job is to is to deal with the stupid answers. <laughs> Part of my job is to make you look good and sound good. so I, I hope I, I hope I did that I as hope well.
0: You do because when I see this, I better be like, a, Fucking
2: genius! Oh, it's gonna sound no great. It's going to look great. No pressure. No No problem. Pre- don't worry. I mean, I've, I've been married for seven years. There's been pressure for a long time, so it's okay. uh, perfectly, yeah, perfectly that. fine.
0: Excellent. Oh, good. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, thank Debbie.
2: You. Um, Debbie Roshan. That, that was a horrible R roll, but um, Roshan. There you go. So I'll let her do the work. You know, obviously, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm here for for nothing right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you again, Debbie, for coming on. Um, is there any any uh we're going to close it out but uh on in, on social media and everything do you want to kind of drop your you know either twitter handle or instagram handle or whatever and i'll just kind of include it in the end here
0: well um just really if you go to debbie they're all there and that's sort of the easiest way to do it so you can go to the news page there if you want to see what i'm doing what's coming out because there is a few things and i can just direct everybody there. Cause there's, um, a book coming out for charity. There's my personal autobiography. I'm starting, um, a, a new podcast with the company it's called obscurities, mm. but it's all, it will all be there. It will all be there. So if you just Boom. go to debbyroshan.com there it
2: is. Her whole life on the internet for you guys, debbyroshan.com Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, <Thanks. laughs> Well, thank you once again, Debbie. Uh, This is another simplistic interview uh, with the very talented Debbie Roshan. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. And that's the end of this interview. We'll see everybody for the next one whenever that comes out. Uh, Everybody have a good night.
1: Thanks for listening to Simplistic Sit Down. For more interviews, reviews, podcasts, and commentaries, visit simplisticreviews.net.